Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and we are here to talk to you about NBA basketball, specifically related to the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, that is true. It's a Brooklyn Nets podcast, so if you've come to hear about the Washington Wizards, (laughs) we will be talking about them later in the podcast. Yeah, if you listen to the first 53 episodes and weren't sure what kind of podcast we are, we're a Nets podcast. And Nick, let's get started with some Nets news. This is official from the Brooklyn Nets Twitter account earlier today, or if you're listening on Tuesday, yesterday, Kyrie Irvin will miss this week's three-game road trip to attend to a family matter. Also totally unrelated, and I don't want to poke fun at this. I don't assume anything when I see the word family matter. Completely unrelated. Happy birthday to Kyrie Irvin, who turns 29 years old today on March 23rd. Happy birthday, Kyrie. I have no comment on the leave of absence. Are we worried about it? Do we think that this will kind of disrupt the good juju the Nets have had for the last month and a half? What's Kevin Durant's estimated time of return? Still a week or two away. Then, yeah, it's a little concerning, especially because we literally keep fighting to catch up to the Sixers who like every other day are either a half game or a full game above us. Uh, So in that contention for first place in the East, we're currently sitting at second. It is frustrating because I think we all want that, that crown very badly to win the Eastern uh, regular season. So yeah, it's a little concerning. Again, I have no comment on why or how or when he's gone and how I feel about him personally, but happy birthday. And obviously I'm pushing forward with the Nets team that we have, especially, which we'll get to later, the rise of Nick Claxton, uh, the consistency of Bruce Brown, the three-point talent of Joe Harris that, uh, that never fades. So I like this team, but missing Durant and Kyrie is a slight concern. It is also Jason Kidd's birthday on March 23rd. Two great Nets point guards. Shout out Jason Kidd. Best Nets point guard to ever lace him up. Um, And the worst coach. I don't, like I said, I don't speculate when I see family matter. Obviously, it's a weird coincidence that it's Kyrie's birthday. What worries me, Nick, is from a basketball standpoint, I've seen Kyrie take a few days off. He had a groin the other day against the Pacers. Luckily, Harden was able to pull him out of that one. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. But it's hard for a team to, to, to develop chemistry if one of the main players on the team is sitting every few games. That's the only thing I worry about is, you know, now we're going to see James Harden take over time for the next three games. And then what happens when Kyrie comes back? If, if you recall, Kyrie's averaging a career high in points. He scored 40 something the other day against the magic. He, he came back and had a 20 plus point game against the wizards. When he plays, he has a lot of touches and he plays well, but my problem is how can a team play consistently well night in night out when one of their stars isn't playing 30% of the time, 20% of the time. I agree. All right, let's move on. The Nets sign Alizé Johnson, G League MVP candidate to a 10-day contract. I haven't really looked into a lot of the players the Nets have signed from the G League. One was Tyler Cook. um, The other was Norvell Pell. So I decided to kind of take a look at some of Johnson's highlights. And I saw him make a ton of layups, something that I never saw Norvell Pell or Tyler Cook do in a Nets uniform. 
Uh, he can handle a little bit. He's not really a jump shooter. He plays a little bit of point forward in the G League. So if Harden and Kyrie need a rest, Alizé Johnson can run the point. And um, I'm not sure if he's going to see enough time in an all of a sudden crowded front court with Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, and Nick Claxton to really make an impact. But I like his athleticism. I like his savviness around the rim. And I thought, you know, he's, he's a G League borderline MVP candidate. So I'm happy that we signed him to a 10-day contract, but I'm not really sure where he fits. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his numbers. So again, Alizé Johnson picked him up. Uh, he was the 2018 50th pick overall by the Indiana Pacers. Played there for a couple seasons. Uh, really didn't do much, and they dropped him down to the G League. But at Missouri State University, two years in a row, averaging 15 points a game, shooting at about 46% from the field. Um, averaging 11 rebounds as well. So this kid kind of does a little bit of everything. And like you said, Spent, it looks like he can handle it pretty well for a four. Um, so I can even see him being in that kind of big guard rotation with a Bruce Brown, with a Joe Harris, and flowing well in a faster-paced offense. So again, we've seen pickups on the Nets be very questionable. Andre Roberson, for example. You know, I still have no idea who, who made the final call on that. But as far as picking up players that most people haven't heard of, Alizé Johnson seems a little more promising than those in the past. I really hope that he can hit the three ball because I want to hear Ian Eagle say Alizé with the tray. That would be kind of cool. Maybe they call him Zay. That would be a cool nickname. Oh, that is a cool nickname. All right, Nick, some not so great news. Actually, now that I think about it, it is decent. It's not it's so-so news. Landry Shamit suffered a right ankle sprain in the Nets' win over Washington on Sunday night. He landed awkwardly after a three-point attempt. He will most likely be out a few games, which is good news because it looked a lot worse than it was. The x-rays came back clean. Thankfully, he's going to be all right, but he's not going to travel with the team for this three-game road trip. Just to clarify, when you say it's good news, you mean the good news is he isn't out longer. It's, yes, he's, that's he's going to be news. okay. It okay. is not good news that he sprained his ankle. I was okay. well, I, I, I like because that's bad news. But the good news is the fact that he's not going to miss too much time, and it seems as though the sprain wasn't too severe. Okay. Yes, I agree. It's good news that he's okay and he's going to make a speedy recovery. Uh, the bad news is he's hurt in general. So I'm glad we clarified that. Um, I feel bad for for Sham, and I feel like he was starting to come on, into his own. Am I super worried? We're missing Shamit and Kyrie for a few games. We are going to have to pick up minutes uh, uh, of Bruce Brown, of Harris, and Chioza. Probably Tyler Johnson. Will come in. Tyler Johnson as well, who I do love. So I think we could pick up the slack. Um, you know, if Shamit's on, he is one of the, the best sharpshooters right now in the East, you know, when he's on. And we've seen him up and down. So I'm not too concerned. Obviously, more concerned about Kyrie, but it sucks. And I hope he's able to come back full throttle in a couple weeks with Durant, with Kyrie. So, you know, after after these next few weeks, we'll kind of be back full squad. No more injury concerns. Knock on wood, obviously. Yeah, I would love that. Obviously, um, I think if the Nets are able to go two and one on this road trip, it'll be very impressive with no Kyrie, no no Landry Shamit. If they're able to go one and two, I'll actually take it. I mean, they play the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Pistons, so those are two tough games against two playoff teams in the West. And then you're just going to have Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown hopefully get their revenge on the Pistons. Um, quick shout out, Tyler Johnson. You mentioned him before. Nobody loves Tyler Johnson more than our guy, Eli. 
Uh, you can follow Eli on Twitter at Eli413Rapper. His Twitter handle is just Brooklyn Nets. Uh, one of our listeners on Fireside Nets, he is a big Tyler Johnson guy. He actually compares him to the rapper Jack Harlow, which I actually find really accurate. I love Jack Harlow, dude. That guy puts out bangers. What's your favorite Jack Harlow song? Uh, it's the ESPN song. What? His most popular song. The What's, What's Poppin'? Poppin'? Nah, I'm more of a Dark Knight guy. That's pretty good. I like Way Out with Big Sean. You like Tyler Hero? Nah, not really. I was thinking, dude, the Tyler Hero train has really left the station. Like, he was the one guy everyone talked about last year's playoffs. No one cares about him. He's not really that good. The, the Heat didn't want to trade him for James Harden, and now that looks really stupid. I mean, let's be real, dude. We all became Heat fans because they put on this miracle run on the back of Butler and a bunch of young players like Duncan Robinson, who we love, and ended up making it to the ship. We all wanted them to beat the Lakers. They didn't. They have no shot of getting back there. I'm an idiot. You, sh- you shouted out Tyler Hero because he's boys with Jack Harlow. Shout out Kentucky. Okay, sure. Did, did you know that? No. All right. He also talks about Hero in his song. Uh, I forgot which song. I should probably know that I'm a big Jack Harlow. It's called fan. Tyler Hero. That's why yes, I said that's it. That's the name of the song. There you go. Oh my God. First, you're happy about Landry Shamit, and then you completely miss my point. Bro, it's Monday night. Give me a break. All right, Nick, let's move on to the Nets investigating trade options for Spencer Dinwiddie. This kind of seems like it's going to happen one way or the other. I think the Nets are going to move Dinwiddie before the trade deadline, which is very soon. Um, our friend, Mike Biseglia, host of the Mike delivers podcast and the bad weather fans podcast with Alex B. He Mikey thinks, B. I love he that, thinks this may mean JJ Redick is coming to Brooklyn. Would you like this? Or do you think there's another move that we should make if we're going to get rid of Dinwiddie? Dude, I love JJ Redick. Anybody who knows me knows I hate Duke with all of my being. And you love Duke, which makes me hate them even more. JJ Redick was like the most hated dude in and out of college, kind of like the Grayson Allen, and then ended up being such a fucking awesome team player, role player, understanding his position in the NBA, understanding his potential, filling in the gaps, hitting some huge shots, hosting a podcast, writing for uh, what's the, the Players Tribune, just an all-around smart, classy veteran player. I would love for J.J. Redick to come to this organization. And you know who he's going to take under his wing? A man by the name of Joseph Harris. He's going to say, hey, Joe, we do similar things. Your ceiling might be even higher than mine. How about I give you a few tips and tricks how to get that four-point play, how to come off the ball screen a little tighter. This is great for the Nets organization. Nick Claxton's coming into his own. We don't need another big man. I am set with Claxton, Blake Griffin, bring Redick in. Do you know what J.J. stands for? Uh, Juwan Howard. No, it's Justin Jones. Jones, really? No, I made that up. I have no idea what it stands for. You're an idiot for falling for that, you gullible SOB. Okay. I thought don't, you did some reason. Don't ever try me again, all right? <laughs> you, you thought it was Justin Jones. All right, Nick, let's get to these game breakdowns. We're going to start with the Sunday night win against the Wizards. Final score, Nets 113, Washington 106. This is a big win against a Washington team that has beat us in two close games. The Nets slept walk through the first quarter. Washington got anything they wanted. And then we were able to hold the Wizards to under 30 points for the next three quarters. We closed out the game in the fourth in a tight game against a Westbrook-led team who has really played elite teams well as of late. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving, James Harden were the leading scorers. Kyrie had 28 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Harden had 26 points and eight assists. And he got his neck and head absolutely rocked by Washington's Garrison Matthews shoulder right before halftime. Did you see that? I did. I did. And we're lucky he came out okay, too. He is one tough mother, man. He stayed down on the ground. Everyone's thinking concussion, possible neck injury. But what does he do? He shows up shooting around with the team after halftime and ended up having a a pretty good game. He's not out of this shooting slump yet, but he shot a little bit better from three than he had in the previous few games. Uh, DeAndre Jordan did one good thing in this game. There was a play where the ball was going out of bounds and Jordan touched the ball and it went three feet to James Harden, who hit the layup. So I want to commend DJ for doing one good thing. All right. What do you think my favorite thing about this game was? That Nick Claxton had 16 points. He was seven of 10 from the field and he was our closing center in the final five minutes of the game. I do really like that. Like I, I, I was very <laughs> impressed with Claxton's game, but no, my favorite part of this game was Blake Griffin stuffing the shit out of Bradley Beal. Did you see that? Beal drove on the right side, went up with it. And Blake Griffin literally swatted him into the freaking abyss. I don't know if it actually went out of bounds or if someone saved it, but it was unbelievable. Uh, Blake Griffin, was that his debut against the Wizards? Yeah, yeah. And his first score of the game and only score of the game was a two-handed dunk. I think he got Robin Lopez with the pump fake at the top of the key. So he can still dunk. He can still dunk. He's 6'9", and he can still dunk. I think Matt Brooks put out a tweet that people really think a 6'9 NBA player couldn't dunk anymore, which was kind of funny. That's um, what I said in our last podcast. I was like, he barely has to jump. If he can't dunk, I'd be concerned for his well-being. We couldn't stop Westbrook. He had 29 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. He loves to show up against us. Alex Len and Rui Hachimura had 20 points apiece, but the Nets were able to hold Bradley Beal to only 17 points, which was huge for them. You brought up a Blake Griffin stuff. I wanted to bring up a Nick Claxton stuff. He destroyed Robin Lopez on one play. I was very happy with the effort that the Nets gave. They didn't shoot the ball phenomenally from three, I think. Nick, do you have the stats in front of you? Yeah, the Nets shot uh, 31% from three compared to the Wizards, 33%, uh, 49% overall from the field. The Wizards actually shot better, 53%. Um, But what stands out to me, and you talked about defense, we we talked about a few stuffs, was our turnover comparison. Defense in those second, third, and fourth quarter, we actually – uh, held we on our own only had seven turnovers but we caused the wizards 19 turnovers and that's rare this season that our opponent doubles us in turnovers when that happens we do not lose so we we caused the wizards 19 turnovers only had seven in-house we had 11 steals compared to the wizards five eight blocks compared to the wizards four it was a defensive game it was a comeback game obviously that first quarter should have been just a more alert nets team so i'm not going to say they outplayed us we were a little lackadaisical But at the end of the day, uh, our defense did step up. And, of course, Nick Claxton stepped up. And you know what I will say about Claxton stepping up, DeAndre Jordan uh, playing consistently? When you bring a guy like Blake Griffin onto the roster, you know they're going to play him. You know he's going to push your minutes. It almost motivates guys like young Nick Claxton to work harder. So whether they brought Blake Griffin on to hopefully get some remote talent from Blake Griffin that's been missing the past years or to push young guys like Claxton to work harder or both, It's working. And I think that's the most important thing I saw defensively, big wise, a major improvement on the Nets team. Everybody wants to compare Nick Claxton to Jared Allen, but they're such different centers. 
they, they do things differently. I think Allen was more of your prototypical, I'm going to post you up. He's got some post moves. Claxton is more of your Clint Capella type center. He can get the alley-oop. He knows where to be. He is a very good hustle player. And he just, he's in the right place at the right time. That's my favorite thing about Nick Claxton. He always seems to find himself in the best position to make a block, to make a play on offense, whatever the team needs. So I've, I've been very impressed with him. And it's been, it's been a really good stretch of basketball for Nicholas Claxton. I think eight to 10 of his points were off of alley oops, which raises the question. You bring up Capella, which is interesting. I was talking to my roommate, Eric, about this. Where is Capella now, right? He's on the Hawks. He doesn't get a lot. He's, he's not as great as he used to be. He's not really making a splash. The James Harden effect is real. James Harden takes these young bigs and he tells them where to be at the right time. He draws a double and they end up with a wide open alley oop. So James Harden is turning Claxton into the Capella type. So I love that comparison. And also shout out before we move on from the Wizards game to Bruce Brown, who all of a sudden whipped out like how many assists did Bruce Brown have? But I saw three off the bat that I could think of, of him literally just, he had four assists total. He was just literally barely looking, caught it under the rim, dished it back to Claxton back door. He was finding him. I think he also assisted Claxton on an alley-oop. So I've been talking about Bruce Brown for the past few podcasts. All he does is impress me. Did not realize he had that passing game in him. And I'm excited to see that kind of a, a scale up as well. Bruce Brown was a plus eight. Claxton was a plus six. Blake Griffin was a plus 12. Um, I wasn't worried when Shamit got hurt because I said Bruce Brown is about to get more minutes and I love what he does. Obviously it's a lot different than what Shamit does, but the dynamic that he gives the nets on defense and the way that he passes the ball on offense, I've said it on numerous podcasts. He is this version of the golden state warriors version of Andre Iguodala. All right, Nick, let's move on. We're going to backtrack all the way back to Wednesday night. We played the Indiana Pacers, we won the game 124 to 115. This was the big Karis Levert reunion game. Obviously, it was great to see Karis playing out there, having fun. He ended up with 19 points, but James Harden was just too strong in this one, Nick. 40 points on the night, 15 assists, 10 rebounds. He was a plus 25 for the Nets, despite going two of nine from three-point range. Nobody else scored more than 20 for the Nets. Joe Harris had 19, and Jeff Green had 15, as well as Tyler Johnson with 15. Uh, but this was, this was a nice win for the Nets. They slept walk again through the first quarter. They let the Pacers put up 40, but after that, they scored 30-plus in the next three quarters. This wasn't really a game down the stretch. Nets showed up and took care of business in this one, Nick. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this game. You know, I'm going to make a comparison that's going to come back in my face because we actually lost to the Magic, who we'll talk about in a second. But I kind of picture the Pacers as an Orlando Magic team where they've been building off of this core group of guys. Obviously, they got rid of Oladipo and got Levert. But I just don't think the talent is there. So, you know, Sabonis, I like his game. Miles Turner's an average center. Malcolm Brogdon's been playing out of his mind, but still – I don't believe he'll ever be a superstar. You got Levert, you know, finally starting to play again and warm up. And it was great to see Levert get 19 points. I just don't consider the Pacers a threat compared to the Magic, who, again, have been building the same team with the same group of average guys for a while. I just don't think either of these teams are going to get to that next level unless they get a superstar talent player. So I expected us to win here. Like you said, it took a while. Great to see uh, uh, Nick Claxton, 11-8, and eight, almost get a double-double there. But, yeah, my takeaway was took a little too long but the better team prevailed. We're more talented. We have a higher ceiling. Uh, I, I wish Levert and the Pacers well, but to me, they've never been, nor will they be a threat in the future. 
Did you call him Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, Brogdon. Brogdonovich. I'm not a big Miles Turner fan. I think that he's not a great center. I think he's a little overrated. Uh, they have two Holiday brothers, and neither of them are the good Holiday. So not too impressed with those guys. Like Levert, like Brogdon. Sabonis is an all-star. I mean, he was 8 of 11 from the field. He had 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. That's pretty impressive uh, for a power forward. But this is what we want to see in these next three games against Utah, against Detroit, against Portland, is Harden just doing his thing, dishing out assists, getting guys like Tyler Johnson and Jeff Green in double figures. Every single net in this game not named Landry Shamit, who only had three points, or TLC, who had zero points and was a minus 17 in seven minutes, which is really bad. Take a yeah. second to hear that stat again. Timothy Luau Cabarro was a minus 17 in seven minutes of basketball, Nick. Yeah, it, it, this season isn't going TLC's way. I think the Nets are kind of phasing him out, unfortunately. He was our guy. Unfortunately, he's been terrible. Unfortunately, unfortunately. for him. Yeah, for him. yeah, it's unfortunate for him. It's not unfortunate for us. I mean, hey, it was only six months ago we were singing, uh, you know, I don't want no scrubs, TLC, and then grinning cheek to cheek. So it's unfortunate for him to see his demise, but we're bringing in players who are just playing better, and, and that's the way the business goes. I'll tell you this. James Harden is so good at making his teammates better. And TLC is he's so bad. <laughs> Harden has not been able to make him a better basketball player. But I agree with you. Not much to say in this one. I don't think that the Pacers aren't a playoff team right now. I think they're out of the playoff picture. They are 17 and 22, or they were after this game. Uh, we move on. I believe this Magic Nets game was on Friday without looking. Could have been Saturday. Um, no, it definitely wasn't Saturday because we played Sunday. I think it was on Friday. The Nets lost very rare loss for the nets in the last month they lost to the magic 121 to 113 they actually had their chances to win this game in the fourth quarter they were only down six points with about three or four minutes left but a lot of missed three pointers from joe harris landry shamit that's kind of the theme in this game Kyrie returned he had a lot of points in this one i believe he had 43, 43. points but nobody else in the nets was good in that game. James Harden had 19, but he, he just played abysmal basketball. Uh, Joe Harris had 16. He was three of 13 from beyond the arc. The Nets couldn't buy a bucket in this one. And Aaron Gordon looked like Michael Jordan. 38 points, hitting step back threes. He was unbelievable. Evan Fournier had 31 points. Those two combined for 69 points, Nick. And Vucevic chipped in 22. Uh, the magic just kind of had their way in this one. You know, this was an off game for the nets. Not a lot to say, but is what it is. This is what I call the fuck you Nick game, because all I do is talk shit about the Orlando magic and their average team. I literally have made fun of them on the last three pods about how Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier is a trio that will take you nowhere. Vucevic deserves better. Aaron Gordon should have won a dunk contest, but he's an overrated actual basketball player and Fournier is getting older and he can never be a star. So this is the haha, Nick. We're not as bad as you say we are. Game. Uh, I also made fun of the Magic for not uh, what was it trading Gordon for Dinwiddie, which apparently was a rumor that they could have done. Again, I thought that was a stupid move on the Magic's part. 
play us 10 more times and when it's the nets win nine out of 10 times we shot 27 percent from three compared to the magic's 53 how often does that happen i'd love to see a side-by-side comparison of how bad the magic have been this year from three compared to how amazing we've been so this was a anomaly this was a fluke this was a fuck you nick game that i'm not concerned about but it still stings a little bit Aaron Gordon was 14 of 20 from the field and he was seven of eight from three point range. James yeah. Harden, James Harden was four of 15 from the field and two of eight from three point range. Like I said, when you're going to win 15 out of 16 games, there are going to be these duds. We just happen to have it against Orlando. I don't even think they're going to be a playoff team this year. No. And Aaron Gordon's averaging 14.7 points per game and he drops 38 on us. So there you go. That's the type of night it was. All right, Nick, before we get to our final segment, and I'm very excited about the final segment, we have a guest coming on in a new segment we like to call Berate a Knicks Fan. These next three games, no Kyrie Irving, no Landry Shamit, no Kevin Durant. Portland tonight, Tuesday. Utah tomorrow, Wednesday on a back-to-back. And then we have Detroit sometime later this week. Nick, how do you think we do in those three games? And we're missing Kyrie for all three. Yeah, I said that. And so we're missing Kyrie. And Landry Shaman. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I mean, Portland's a hot team. Carmelo Anthony is playing the best basketball he's ever played in his life. Just kidding, but he's actually developed into a good role player. Uh, Portland's a dangerous team. I actually got like down a weird rabbit hole of being obsessed with CJ McCollum the past few weeks. And I like read the history of his basketball career and, and watched a bunch of highlights. So I'm kind of on the McCollum train. And the Jazz are somehow one of the best teams in the league right now. Maybe not in the power rankings, but in the standings. So those are two tough games without two of our of our three best players. Uh, I think we could we could kind of stick around with Portland uh, for the most part and could eke out a win there if Joe Harris and Bruce Brown are firing from all cylinders. Utah's tough. Utah's a solid defensive team. Uh, we have a couple mismatches on that front before missing Kyrie. I think the combo Clarkson and Conley is pretty dangerous. Um, so. I'm going to say two and one over those three because the Pistons are kind of a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised if it swung around to one and two. Nicholas David Shanman, you just talked to me about being nervous. I was about to scold you for not believing in James Harden, but if you think we're going to go two and one in these three games, you clearly believe in the James Harden and company show he's about to put on for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And I believe Claxton's emerging. I believe Blake Griffin will get some more valuable minutes. Uh, We do have the depth that we've been looking for these past few months. We're kind of filling the gaps on the bench. So we're missing Kyrie. We're missing Durant. We're missing Shamit. We've got guys who, who will step up and the level in which they step up will determine the game. No Kyrie, but we still have Alizé Johnson, Nick. Don't forget about my guy, Alizé. He's going to come in and he's going to play seven to eight minutes in one of these three games. Maybe he'll be a plus 10. Hopefully he's not a minus 17 like TLC was. You mean ZJ? Yeah, I got big, big hopes for ZJ. I don't want to call him ZJ. That sounds like that sounds like something gross that you would have to pay a lot of money for on the street. You're just referencing the movie Beer Fest where he says 25 for a ZJ. And then he says, what's a ZJ? He says, if you don't know, you can't afford it. Shout out Barry Badranath, a.k.a. J. Chad Drazankar. Huge fan of your work, buddy. Yeah. He also directed, I believe, a couple episodes of New Girl, I want to say. But anyway, okay. On to our final segment. All right. Let's do it. For this week's Berate a Knicks fan, we're going to bring in our cousin Ray. Now, Cousin Ray is a diehard Knicks fan from Westchester, New York. Let's bring him on. 
All right, we get to the final segment of the podcast. Berate a Knicks fan. Cousin Ray is on the line. Before we get to your dreadful Knicks, how are you today, Cousin Ray? I'm very fantastic. First time, long time. Love it. That's what they used to say back in the day on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, you had two really bad losses as a Knicks fan. One to the Nets, one to the 76ers. Julius Randle was the victim of two, well, really one, slightly questionable calls. So how upset were you after those two losses? Two heartbreaking losses. You could take the upside and say, this is a team that two months ago, you look at the calendar and you think, okay, you take the next top three players out, and it's a 30-point debacle. All three of those games that they lost, the two heartbreakers to the Sixers and one to the Nets, eminently winnable games. Clearly... I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but to me, the, the, the Knicks, I haven't seen the Knicks get a close call because all those calls were the correct calls. The question is, do you make those calls? I watch a lot of basketball. I know you two guys too. I've rarely seen the ref change the outcome of, of a professional game on a, on a call like that. You make that call late in the first quarter. You want to maintain some order. You don't want pushing and shoving. It didn't even affect. He never would have gotten the rebound even. That was. It wasn't even an impactful play. It was like, you know what? God forbid the Knicks should, should beat these guys 1-15. The last time against the Sixers, same thing. They had. They were up eight points. You know, that I'm not going to blame on the refs. Just, you know, the Knicks have some growing pains. But I'm, I'm really, you got to be, I'm with Stephen A. Smith on this. You got to be encouraged. This is a team, they're one or two players away from having a real core. And let me ask you this. What was the last dynasty in the NBA? Uh, you can say the Golden State Warriors were mm, a dynasty, yeah, okay. right? And, and, and how was that team constructed? Uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, two players they drafted, and, and Draymond Green. So three guys they drafted, and then they picked up pieces like an AI, Andre Guadalla, and Kevin Durant. Exactly. How are the Nets constructed? The Nets went out. The Nets are what I call, I know that none of us go to church. You know what they do when they pass the plate around? It's called what? Uh, I don't know. We're all, we're all Jewish on this podcast. It's so called I'm not the sure. collection. It's called the collection. Now, right. the collection's going to do well this year. They're, they are they are built. If I'm a Net fan, I'm, um, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. If they don't win this year or maybe next, this is going to be this is going to make the Paul Pierce thing look like look like they knew what they were doing. Well, let me ask you this, right? Would would you say right now you would rather be in the Knicks position than the Nets position? No. This year, for this year, I'll take the Nets all day long. If I'm a Knicks fan versus if I'm a Nets fan, I'm feeling, you know, it's like it's like the short-term, short-term gain, long-term pain, you know, a short long-term gain. And the Knicks aren't going to win the championship this year. I'll, I will see you that. Look, look, look at, at the prediction of how many games Las Vegas had them winning. It was something like 17 games or some crazy low number. They're going to exceed way expectations. The Nets are going to hit their expectations. They may even do a little better. But this is a this is like a one year collection that's that's being put together. The Nets haven't really added in, an impact player in years. It's been years. But this is the, they've done a very nice job. Look, the big move they took nerve to do. They got the Knicks somehow couldn't get it done. But basically, picking you know, getting Durant and Kyrie was one of those high-risk, high-reward maneuvers. And then they backed it up. They went all in. It's like they went all in with Harden. 
if they don't win a champion, I don't care if they make the final. They lose in the finals the next two years. That's a disaster. That's 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 a complete Titanic. But you know, if they and, and if they don't if they don't go even to the finals, then it's like then you gotta then you gotta start really panicking. We we, we can play the hypothetical if they don't all day. I'm I'm with you on that. It'll be a major disappointment. But I'll say this: the fact that you and millions of Knicks fans in this country are so I guess, focused on what the Nets are doing as well as the Knicks. It's not like you're focused on the Nets. You're not watching the Knicks. You're watching both teams. I got diehard Knicks fans, buddies, who are telling me about Nets games, and they know more than some of the Nets fans I know. So I guess I have a bunch of questions written here. The segment is berate a Knicks fan. Do you think in five years that New York City will be a Brooklyn Nets town? So I know you guys You guys are from New Jersey, right? You watch hockey sometimes, right? What's, What's the hockey team in New Jersey? The Devils. Right. Where'd they come from? I have no idea. They were the Colorado Avalanche, okay? Let me ask you this. How many Colorado fans do you think are sitting up saying, let's go, let's go Devils? Round number, zero. I'd have to okay. take a survey. I really don't know. Let's, well, let's, don't they let's have a hockey team back in Colorado now? Somewhere yeah, about zero. But, okay. but, but let's just, that group, okay? Or how many Raider fans do you think are really excited right now? Or how many Indianapolis Fans are, you know, are focused on 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 that that team. Here's I, I, my point. I, I understand my point the argument. Is, my point yeah. is, my point is, maybe maybe by the time you guys are my age, I think that that the Nets will migrate to be more of a national phenomenon. I think right now, the Nets, the last good thing that came out of Brooklyn was Sandra Fate. Okay, it's it's <laughs> it's basically it's basically a a collection that they migrated and the new owner did a wonderful job. Okay. But when you go to this, like when you go to a Nick game, even when they state and you look down and you see like Spike Lee and Tony Bacala and they have like a close Bobby Bacala, respect Bobby Steve Sherpa. Exactly. Got, also got, for the record, Sandra Fink is our grandma. Right. She was the last good thing to come out of Brooklyn. I guess so, my dad was from Brooklyn too. Was he really, I didn't realize he was part of the Brooklyn crew. Okay. I didn't realize that. I thought I thought I thought he was a native Long Islander. I don't know that he was like Amy and Sherry. I got you. Well, my take on it, the answer in your question is no. The Nets, the Nets need to develop like what I'm gonna call a culture. Um, they don't have one. They had they had a little bit one when I grew up on Long Island. I remember going to the Coliseum. I saw Doc, I remember I have a still a program, I saw Dr. J. And I think they may even won the championship, the ABA championship, I think one year when I was a kid, they had a little bit of a following, but it wasn't enough. And then they, they moved to New Jersey. They played wherever they played, like in, uh, you know, Hoboken or uh, uh, Rawway state prison or whatever they were playing out Not there. Neither of those yeah. places. <laughs> Same thing. The rock. What's the rock? Then? Was that, if the rock's not a prison, I don't know what is. Continental airlines. Eyes if I recall, even you guys didn't stop going to the game. So my point is, yeah, maybe, but you know, you got to have a little bit of a continuity. So if they go through, one year, two years. Now, if they win a couple of championships, get some rings, that might be a little bit of a different story. Then they'll have a buzz about them. Like even the Warriors aren't the Warriors, yet people still don't want to play the Warriors. I, I get it. I totally get it. But they're a ways off. And the Knicks have the inverse, okay? The Knicks have been horrible forever, and you still get, you know, for the last, what, 20, 30 years, they've had three good seasons, four good seasons. People still follow them and root for them. You almost never see... Granted, if you guys follow me on Facebook, I've given up 25 times on the team, but I'm back the next day. 
I'm back the next day. Um, you know, but these last these last few games, the difference here is these were against the top teams. You know, the Nets are a top team, Sixers are a top team, and they were competitive. They were absolutely competitive. You know, they lost, but they, they those games were winnable. I, I I'd argue all three of them were winnable. Now, more important is they're beating almost every team they should beat. That's that's the difference from this team in the last. You know, there's there are games you look on the schedule and you say, oh, my God, uh, they play like Orlando the other day. You know, how do you not beat Orlando? The whole team's in the hospital. They beat Orlando. So I'm, I'm looking at it as as there's more upside to this team that I've seen in. I can't remember the last time that I saw a team on the next day. I can say, you know what? They've got a core group of four guys, five guys that I want on this team. Do I want quickly to be my long-term everyday point guard? Maybe not. Do I want him on the bench coming off playing 18, 22 minutes a game? Absolutely. Instant offense, plays hard, great, you know, good little defender. You know, he's not going to grow another three inches, but he's got, you know, he is what he is. Um, Randall, in my entire basketball life, with the exception of a kid named Howie Finkelberg, who turned it around between fifth and sixth grade, I can't, can't forget player, the great Howie Finkelberg. I've never seen a player improve that much in one season in basketball. Baseball, I have, and we could all probably guess as to why some players are able to turn it. That's not a basketball thing. He, look at his – and by the way, he wasn't a terrible player before, but he went from being a inconsistent, you know, every, every two out of every three nights, he'd be okay, and then the third night he would disappear. Um, he also never got the stage he has now. He was never given the opportunity yeah, he has which is, now. Right. And a lot of players let go the wrong way. <laughs> when, when, you know, sure, he's, sure. he, right. He really was never the man. Fair, that's a totally accurate statement. But he's improved tremendously. So I look at it. I look at it. And I've never seen somebody do like that in one season. Um, and he went from good to I'm not saying he's a top five. He's not in the same league he, as any of the three guys right now in the Nets. Could he get there in a couple of years? Yeah, put him with. Uh, I don't think absolutely. he's got top five potential. Look, he's he a star be a right top now. Top twenty player. He, he's an he all star. He's a star, but uh, a superstar gets those calls that Randall wasn't getting those last few games. That's where absolutely. Randall is right now. The no, refs exactly, are looking yeah. at Randall and they're saying, "You are not a star. We're not going to give you those calls." Okay, so we're, 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 we're agreement. We're, we're we're agreeing. He needs to get. He needs to start getting that recognition. Hey, the Knicks will never win until they get a better player as their one than Randall. The Knicks are where the Nets were a few years ago when it was D'Angelo, yeah. Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. The culture was very similar. Young team. Ooh. Who was, who was playing as well as Julius Randle? D'Angelo Nets. Russell was the Nets all-star. I'm telling you, he was a monster. Phenomenal. Hit he was good. He, was, he good. was great. He was great. My point is this, Ray. The Nets gutted the entire roster and ended up with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. So as much as I like the story of the little guy who could, you know, potential's great. I'm a big fan of moral victories. No one likes moral victories more than I do. But when you tell me that R.J. Barrett, Randle, Mitchell Robinson, who I've seen play maybe once this year, Emmanuel Quickly, who you said is in the starting point guard. You guys are on your way to something. What that is, I don't know. They're one free agent signing away from being, being a top monster 16. Team. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I look at the Nets again. I peel away one of those. I peel away one of those guys. Any one of those three, I don't think they're. I don't think they're a top team. 
I don't think they're I don't think they're winning anything with that with that. Well, 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 that's that's unfair not because team, they've won 14 of 16 games with Ke- well, Kevin Durant. Not a not a deep team. Not a, I'm telling you, that's wait till the playoffs. And it gets well, ratcheted I, I, up. I can't I can't argue that I can't argue. And, wait I, till the playoffs. and I see argue and I'm going to start seeing, you know, whoever, you know, Blake Landry, Griffin, whoever what's the guys Landry Schmidt or whatever his name is. That's <laughs> good. Go for it. Perfect. I would I wouldn't take him on the Knicks. He does. He's not bearing any neck. When, Knicks, can, when can I the, call Obi Toppin a bust, by the way? When is, oh, when is now, that allowed? Now. Oh, okay, good. Now, Obi Toppin and, and Kevin Knox were clearly old guard, horrible picks. Typical, but quickly was more than made up for it. I would, I would swap those picks, and they'll wind up ditching. They'll include Knox in some trade. There's going to be some team that's going to, you know, think about his pedigree and forget the fact that he, he's invisible. And Obi Toppin, by the way, completely invisible. Completely invisible, um, you know, and that's part of that said, you look at the trade the Knicks did. If they still had Porzingis and they didn't have all these other pieces, they'd be a 16 and 50 team again. Uh, he was he could and I'd much rather have not even close Julius Randle over Porzingis. It's not even in the same. They're not just even the same player. And that's I wouldn't fair. even take, I wouldn't even take Porzingis back right now. I don't need a seven foot guy taking 30 foot jump shots. That's I'm, I'm done with that. And who do, who do you want? Who's the ideal last piece of this puzzle? Yeah, no, I think the team would be markedly improved with Ball as the point guard. Then your big money gets clear. You still have you still you still have salary room. You still have room. Oh, and then Reddick. Reddick's a fine shooter. You know where he lives, right? You know where Bennett's got a place, right? Reddick's got a place in Brooklyn, right? Exactly, exactly. And he yeah, yeah. he was he he wants to chop. The, he wanted we, to go to the Nets. We and, we talked about him earlier in the pod. There's still a chance uh, that he, he winds up in Brooklyn. But uh, Ray, we got to close out the pod because we're running on time. I have one final question for you. But before I ask that question, any big shout outs to any family members? Maybe a text group chat that you want to throw out there. I'm going to say hi to Harley Markowitz. That's that, that's really what I'm thinking. Harley Markowitz and Jordana Cooper. Those are the two people I'm going to say hello to. I also want to show you guys, just so we understand what a team is, okay? You guys can't, probably can't see this, but this is the 1973 Nick, every basketball player, every basketball card on that team. Oh, this cool. is yeah. this is a deep team. This is, a is that deep Walt Frazier? Walt Frazier, Dave DeBuscher, Willis Reed, Bill Bradley, Earl DePearl Monroe, Jerry Lucas, Dean Meminger, Phil Jackson, Henry Bibby, John Gianelli. One of those I'm guys. Take, I'm down. taking the 2021 nuts. One of those guys. Stop. <laughs> I think uh, I think Sandra Fink and Joe Fink still lived in Brooklyn when those guys played. I think they did. I think the 1972-73. I believe. I believe they did. I wish yep. you. I wish you a lot of luck. I, this is you know a prayer. I know you guys. You know. You know. This is a good time to start. You know, rediscovering. You know, whichever temple you guys go to out there. Oh, you gotta, All right. You no, gotta, no, no, no. Time it. out. Time this out. This is it. This is it. You uh, got I, this year and next year, and that's it. And then it's going to be, you're going to go right back to uh, whatever. What was that guard's name? D'Angelo, whoever. That's that. You're going to go back to those days, two, three years. All right. Final question. If, if you had to pick a team this year who's going to win the whole thing, who is your pick? It's a great question. Um, as painful as this is for me to say, Sixers. Oh, wow. And Bean comes back. They knock off the Nets five or six games. That's a knife to the back, Cousin Ray. Listen, we'll see it. We'll We'll watch that at at your house, Ray. We'll watch the championship. I've got a good friend who's a big Sixers fan. I'll give him a shout-out, David Silfen. Um, 
He's been waiting for this pretty much his whole life. Pretty much he's a lifer. And if, if Bede comes back healthy, I don't, I don't see, I don't see who matches up well with them. I'd be worried about Milwaukee. They added PJ Tucker. That was a nice, nice addition. That was a big missing piece for that team. You know, they've got the best player in the game. Yes. He's better than any of any of the Nets. Okay. He's the he's one of the best players I've ever seen. I, I agree. I think Shake Milton's phenomenal. <laughs> Shake Milton. I love Shake Milton. I never heard of him until yesterday. And he's what do you score like 40 points yesterday? He's a good player. Um, he, uh, all right, we, we gotta end it. We're running low on time. But Ray, we will see you at Zoom Passover at the wine or tequila tasting, whatever we're doing. I know Jordana set it up. Shout out Amy Cooper, shout out Justin Cooper. Nick. Uh good luck to the Knicks, Ray. Also, right. we're gonna run a simulation in, in a video game where the 1973 Knicks play the 2021 okay. Nets, and we'll see who Let's, do that. Let's do that. Ray, take it easy. Thank you for joining. See you guys. All right, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Nick, any final words for the listeners? Yeah, uh, the world is slowly opening back up. People are starting to have fun and starting to see their family and their friends and socialize in a safe capacity. Just remember that no matter how alone you feel, you are never truly alone because Spen and Nick with Fireside Nets. All episodes are replayable. So even if you missed a couple, tune in. You'll never be alone. Keep playing our show. Thank you, guys. That was great, Nick. That was beautiful. And I guess what I'm going to say is it's almost the end of March. Just make sure when April comes, you guys wear sunscreen so you don't get burnt. I like to get a nice tan in April, but if I don't put on enough sunscreen, I'll get burnt. And then you know, you just don't want to have a sunburn. It's not good. So my advice is wear sunscreen if you get sunburned easily. If you don't get sunburned, you don't have to wear as much. All right, just wrap up the fucking show. Catch you Catch on you the, the fire, fire side. side.